Hello and welcome again to Finding Truth Matters with Dr Andrew Corbett. We're pleased to have you tuned in, joining us for tonight's program. I don't want us to fall into the naive idea that children are born innocent. Because if you're a parent and you've had a child, it takes about yeah, three minutes to realise that is not the case. There are a few things in life that we can be fairly sure of, and one of them is that sooner or later, life will present us with problems. Dr. Corbett is in a four-part series on the theology of problems, focusing each week on a problem and offering God's perspective on how we might handle it. This week's problem might surprise you, but there are some great management strategies coming up, so don't go away. Concluding the series, tonight's topic, children. Let's join Dr. Corbett now for the problem of children. There was a couple in a church who had just come along to a church and they decided that they should get to know the pastor and his wife. They invited the pastor and his wife to come over for dinner one night and they thought, let's use the good plates and the good silver and the special things that you get as a wedding present that you have no idea when you will use them that night. So they had the special silver teaspoons and, and the thing for the condiments and there was two very particular silver spoons that had been given to them and uh, one of them was, um, uh, had never been used before and, and it sat there on the table and, and the other one was the one that everyone just grabbed and used and it was it, silver and it was the only time they ever used it was, it was this night and, and that one that just sat there beside the condiments there and uh, the night went on and, and they, they got chatting and then at the end of the night they were saying farewell and, and the, uh, the hostess, the, the lady, was clearing away the table at the end of the night and she noticed that that spoon was missing and she thought it was right in front of the pastor and it bugged her. Because there's this, there's this thing, he's a man of God, this is a new church, is he a th what, what's going on? And so she went to church that Sunday, he's preaching and she's like this, just <laughs> eyes locked, looking at him. And it was just a delicate little spoon, just delicate little thing, but it was precious to her, really precious. And week by week went by and she's just stewing on this thing. Is he going to say, you know, I, I picked it up, I... I, I forgot it I, I you know she was waiting for something and she told her husband he, he he must have stolen it he must have what kind of church are we going to what what kind of man of God is this calls himself spiritual reckons he reads his bible and he prays and he does something like that a year went by and she could take it no longer she decides, that's it. I'm going to confront him. I'm going to confront him. So, after church that morning, she's... And she says, listen, we had you over for dinner. We were really nice to you. And you stole my silver spoon. The pastor didn't flinch. He knew exactly what she was talking about. He said, 
No, I didn't. I saw your Bible on a shelf just beside me. I took it and I put it in the middle of your Bible. And if you open up your Bible, you'll see it straight away. say that in case you invite Kim and I around for dinner. (laughs) Father, I pray, Lord, that in this time you speak to us. May we hear your voice in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been doing a series on problems and I'm kind of doing this because I want people to understand that Christianity is not this this sort of thing that we talk about these wonderful theories on a Sunday and then we wake up Monday morning and it's just irrelevant to where we're at. I want people to get that what we're talking about on a Sunday comes straight out of God's word. And because it comes out of God's word, it affects not just your Sunday, it affects your Monday. And God's word is extremely relevant. This surprises people, I think it surprises people, that it has something to say about issues. So we've looked at in the problems that you can face in life, the first one we looked at was the problem of failure, how we fail. And one of the things that we've seen is that sometimes failure can work out for our good. God can actually use it. God can actually make us a better person because we have failed. And failure doesn't have to be the end and it doesn't mean we should quit. It can mean we're actually better and sharper than perhaps we were before failing. We've then looked at marriage and how sometimes couples can get married and they spend more time preparing for their wedding than they do for their marriage. And the, the problems that come up are almost inevitable and these problems can, can really make marriage hell on earth. And then we saw one of the biggest problems that particularly Australians are facing and statistically Tasmanians in particular and that is money problems, personal debt. In fact Australia based on some of the research has the highest rate of personal debt per capita than any nation on the planet. So there's, I gave a, what I hope was a, a biblical plan for being able to get out of debt and to be able to handle your money with a different vision. We spoke with uh, Pastor Joe Armstrong who is uh, uh, on a bit of a detour in one sense but in God's sense right on track Joe just right in the middle of God's will and has come to Tasmania uh, taken up a a position with a company and is going to be developing some land um, on the east coast and and is an investor and so we've seen from a, a Christian point of view that being able to become an investor and get into business is is actually a godly thing it should be encouraged and today we're going to look at one of the One of the problems faced in life, and by many, many people, in fact, uh, I've just come back from, uh, I'm on a national board, and I've just come back from a national board meeting in uh, Brisbane, and two things happened. Firstly, I was called by someone who's having problems in this area that we're going to be addressing today. The second thing that happened was that I was in, involved in these meetings for you know, up to 12 hours a day for two days and so it's, it's just two days out of my life is um, not easy for me to do. Knowing that I'm going to be preparing this 
I'm thinking a lot of my preparation starts Monday and I'm, well, in fact a lot of it starts weeks and weeks before and then as I come down the stretch I'm, I'm putting it together in my mind and as I'm thinking about this particular issue which is the problem with children I'm in the queue to get on through the gate to uh, so we're, we're ready we're preparing to board and there's a, a um, and I, uh, I'll, I'll share this and I, then I want you to hear my heart so I'll share this first then I want you to hear my heart there's a young couple with a two-year-old child who is just running everywhere, just running everywhere. And, and uh, the young mum, is f- she's flustered by what's happening and she grabs her child and, and she's smacking the child and she's yelling at the child and the child's screaming and the dad comes over and says, oh, and he's trying to mollycoddle the child and now she's angry at him for not backing her up and it's getting, oh, it's like, and I'm going, and I'm trying to think, before this happened, I'm in the queue and I've got my boarding pass, I'm just writing down, what are, what are some of the things that parents should be doing with their kids? And then this breaks out right in front of me. And I'm going, oh, sermon material, let's, ta- let's ta- take note of this. And I didn't tell her that, and I didn't tell anyone that. And I'm only telling you, so please don't tell anyone else. But I, I'm watching this, and I'm thinking, you know, this could have been handled quite differently, quite differently. In fact, it got so bad and so loud, the guy got on his walkie-talkie, and he called, the, this is the, the guy from the airline, he called for backup. And backup, this was a guy. So backup was an, ex- uh, was an experienced uh, flight attendant who was a lady. And so she came off the plane, as they were getting ready, she came off the plane, she came up the gangway, came, came through the gate, opened the, the locked doors, went up to the mother of the baby, and she just consoled the, the child. And, and I don't know what she said, but it must have, I, I don't know what happened, but the, the result was that the, the mother who was, who was angry and yelling and screaming and threatening, and like, there were people in the queue going, someone should call child services. I mean, it was getting ugly. It was really getting ugly. And next thing, the, the mum, I think the, the flight attendant said, you're going to have to take your child away and calm her down, and you're going to have to calm down too before you get on this plane. I ended up writing to the airline, by the way, commending that lady. Um, that's just a by the way. And that resulted in F and this and F and that, which I'm, I think is uh, fun and forgiveness, I think, is what that, I, I don't know. I'm a pastor, I, I think they're the words I would use. And so um, she went storming off and, and eventually they made their way onto the plane. They did get on the plane. And, and I say it because I, he was someone who, if I, and I, I, this is where I want you to hear my heart. I don't want to sound judgmental, but it looked to me like she had no idea what she was doing. No idea what she was doing. And I think a lot of people are like that. So here's, firstly, before I share my heart with this, I want you to understand that um, this message is for those of us who have children and those of us who don't have children. Have I left anyone out? Because what I want you to understand is that for those who do have children, who perhaps are in a situation like that young mum, it actually is a really tough gig being a mum. It's a really tough gig. And I, and I kind of felt for, for that mum as well. And so here's my heart in this. As with everything that I've looked at so far, failure, marriage, money, today, today children, this is not meant to condemn people. This is not meant to make people feel bad that they haven't done it right. 
this is actually meant to be a time of transparency and, and let's get real, let's get honest about this. And let's, let's talk about this, that this really is, this is a real issue for people. And here's some things that I think would help. And it's not done from an ivory tower. It's not done because I've got it figured out. I've got four kids and we've had trouble with them all and I've got one left at home and, and, and she's no trouble at all. And if you believe that, I need to... Anyway, kids are hard work for parents. They are. And so one of the things I'm going to be talking about is how we who perhaps are not parents... Or perhaps we were parents, now we're not parents. We need to figure out how we support those who are parents who perhaps are finding this really difficult. So my heart in this is to help. It's not to come across as I know it all. It's not to come across either to say, this is how you do it and if you don't do it, you're a, you, know, you just don't know what you're doing. That's not my heart. So I want to look at a theology of how we can help parents, a theology of problems. Theology is that word from theos, which is a Greek word for God, ology, the study of. So the study of God, how God thinks about these things. How does God think about raising children? When I was growing up, I loved the Brady Bunch. Loved the Brady Bunch. Just thought that was awesome. And somehow I got in my head, I would love one day to have six kids. Just thought that'd be the ants' pants to have six kids. Um, but something happened in my growing up where I, in many respects, did not grow up in a, a functional family to the point where I thought there is no way, there is just no way I could ever be a dad because of my upbringing. And because of my upbringing, I also thought there's no way I could ever be a husband either. So having this desire to one day have six kids, but then facing what I consider to be reality, that because of my upbringing, there was just no way that could ever, ever happen. So when God brought Kim into my life, that moment rocked my world. And she continues to rock my world. For those who don't know, that shortly after I met Kim, and I mentioned this last Sunday, and Kim was down in uh, Hobart hearing our son preach at C3. And I mentioned that she went down there because that was the first time Tyrone was publicly going public on the fact that he had been sexually abused as a, as a child. And we found out, I've, I only found out 12 years after it had happened and we, we have, you know, so this is part of my background noise. So when I talk about raising kids and doing the best by kids and then now, you know, this is out in the public arena now, you've got to understand that, you know, I'm seated where you're seated. I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, trying to make it out that I've got all this figured out. But there are some things. But 32 years ago... I said to Kim when one day she said to me, one day, she said, I would like to have a mini minor car. And me in my absolute plate-sized eye besottedness with Kim said, I'll get you that car. 
And well, she did actually put another couple of qualifiers on it. She said, okay then, here's a list I've prepared. It has to be, has to be pink and it has to have personalised number plates that say Kimmy. I said, no problem. No problem. Well, life unfolded. We had, we, we actually, actually found that we couldn't have children and, and then that was, that was, again, a rock, just, you know, my whole world was spinning and then, by God's grace, we were blessed with children. We ended up, did, we ended up, indeed, we did have six children. We have four surviving. And three weeks ago, I fulfilled my vow to get Kim that mini. It's not pink. Pink's a stupid colour for a car anyway. <laughs> no offence to anyone who does drive a pink car, it's just that you've got a stupid car, that's all. It's just, that's no offence, no offence, no offence. Don't be offended, but it's a stupid colour for a car. Um, and when I saw how much it would cost for me to get a personalised plate in Tasmania, Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y, um, you know, it was, was, way, was ridiculous, really, just ridiculous how much that was going to cost. I, I compromised and so you'll see her car, it's out there somewhere and she's brought it for the first time today. So that's a little bit about some of, I just want you to hear my heart in what I'm saying here. Psalm 127 verse 3 says this, and I, I want you to get this, and I, and I was almost going to say something through partnership, that sound, Grace, is a beautiful sound. Yeah. I was almost going to say it before because it wasn't, it, it, it was, there was a number of children and I know that there are some people who go, oh, and Donna, where, Donna, where are you? You shared that story about, in fact, do we have a microphone for Donna? Can you come and share that story about someone coming to church? And, but one of, the things, one of the things I'm saying, I'm asking you, is that we want to be a church that wins, W-I-N. We, we, we want to welcome people who come. So if you're here and you've never been here before, we want you to feel welcome. But then we've got to also got to be a church that invites people, I. And then we've got to be a, a, a church that, that for those people who don't want to know anything about God, don't want to know anything about your church, don't talk to me about it, you've got to be able to nudge them. W, welcome, I, invite, N, nudge people. And Donna, you've got a story. You told me earlier in the week a story about someone who their welcome experience was odd. Yes, I was, I was reading a book at the moment about um, a lady and she took her children to church for the first time. It wasn't in Australia. And during the service, her daughter bumped her head and had a bit of a cry, and she settled her very quickly. And then as they were leaving the church, they, it was one of those churches where you all queue up and shake the minister's hand as you go out. And when they got to the minister, he said in a very loud, booming voice, please make sure you keep your child quiet in church. We don't want anyone disturbed, especially the bishop who'll be here next week. And then she met another lady, and they decided they were going to try again at this church. And then... The ministers actually went and visited the families and asked them to organise babysitters and not bring the children to church. So. As Donna shared that, I was angry. I don't even know where this church is. I don't even know about it. So when, when I was hearing before children doing what children do. In fact, can I tell you, that's what I thought was happening at the gate, ready to get on the plane with this two-year-old child. She was doing what a two-year-old does. It was like, anyway. 
So when I hear this in our church, I go, that's music. <laughs> it's music. It's awesome. It's great. Because I'm praying for our church to grow. And if you don't invite them and nudge them, let's just have them. Let's breed them. Let's... <laughs> Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb are a reward. Aren't they? They are a blessing. They are a delight. And if that's not your story, I hope that at this stage in your parenting, I can give you some things in a moment that will help you to turn things around. In fact, I'm pretty confident they will help you to turn things around. The next verse says, Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. And can I tell you, we are in a culture where children are presented as an inconvenience. Parents are having children later on in life and leaving it until their 30s, late 30s and even early 40s. And in fact, I think, I, I just question the wisdom of that because they're putting career first. And it's something's happened where mothering even fathering has taken a real battering in the, in the public perception of what it means to be a human being making a contribution to society. <laughs> oh man, I just tell you, children are a gift from God. They are a gift from God and children are a blessing from God. They're a blessing from God. And I say this in light of the fact that Kim and I face this real possibility we, we would not be able to have children. My sister, uh, I'm, I'm one of three children, my sister got married young and was so looking forward to having a family and they discovered that they were infertile as well. And it, unless you've experienced that, you, you can't, I can't convey to you how hard that is to handle. And so they've adopted three children. I'm now the, the uncle to three Korean children South Korean children and they're delightful kids and she, my sister and my brother-in-law have just done a great job um, my married daughter is longing for children and they found that they are infertile as well so this is really close to home stuff for me I say children are a blessing from God, children are a gift from God. I, I don't want us to fall into the naive idea that children are born innocent. Because if you're a parent and you've had a child, it takes about eh, three minutes to realise that is not the case. <laughs> and there's this thing called original sin. And this, this raises possibly more questions with people about Christianity than nearly anything else because it's the idea that we're born guilty in one sense that's the idea how it's presented there's a number of scriptures which I don't think which are used to support it Psalm 51 in sin I was conceived says David um, I was brought forth in iniquity David says I'm not sure that that's a great verse to support original sin there's reasons for that if you want to ask me but here's a better one. Here's a much better one. This is taken from Ephesians chapter 2. And it says this. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, in the spirit that is now at work, in the sons of disobedience. 
verse 3, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, this is before you become a Christian, carrying out the desires of the body, so not every desire you have is a good, healthy desire, just because you feel a certain way doesn't mean it's right, the desires of the body and the mind, and were by, what's that next word? Nature. You were by nature children of wrath. By nature. In other words, we were all born that way. We were all born with a propensity to sin. That propensity is actuated very, very quickly. Very quickly. So let's not have this naive concept that children are innocent that they're born completely innocent. We are all part of the fallen human race and we all need a saviour. We all need a saviour. Like the rest of mankind, it says. Genesis 8.21, uh, this is a, an interesting one. This is reflecting on uh, Noah, God with Noah, after the, fl- the uh, flood had subsided. It says, When the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. And if I could you know, highlight that, that's what I would highlight to you now. I'll come back to that in a moment. From his youth, neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. So here's the thing. Jonathan Edwards was a great Presbyterian minister who wrote extensively. He, he developed uh, a disease and died quite relatively young but Jonathan Edwards said this in his uh, classic work the the great Christian doctrine of original sin defended he he remarks this the word translated youth in that verse signifies the whole of the former part of the age of a man which commences from the beginning of life the word in its derivation has reference to the birth or beginning of his existence. So that the word here translated youth comprehends not only what we in English most commonly call the time of youth, but also childhood and infancy. Matt Perman notes this. Infants die. Therefore they are not innocent because death, both physical and spiritual, is a result of sin. Romans, chapters, uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 12, and chapter 6, verse 23. Thus, death only comes to those who have sinned. Since infants die, they therefore must be, by nature, sinners. The good news here is that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, it says that the faith of believing parents sanctifies their young children. So, when I say to you, I've got skin in this game, that I'm confident that I will, as my four surviving children go on and continue as they are walking with Christ, that I will see all six of our children in heaven because the faith of the believing parents sanctifies their children. And apart from that, God's the judge. God's the judge. Because of this, God has ordained um, and designed for children to be raised by their parents. And and I'm just going to footnote that right now and say that there are people who end up being single parents, single fathers, single mothers. 
And they have a tough gig. They have a tough gig. They've got twice the job with half the resources to do it. It's a tough thing. Malachi chapter 2 verse 15 says this, Did he not make them one, speaking of a, a man and a wife, with a portion of the spirit in their union? So it's a triangle. You've heard me talk about that in marriage. Marriage is a man and a woman and God. It's a triangle. And what was the one God was seeking? What was the one God was seeking? This is what God seeks when a, when a couple gets married. Godly offspring. This is God's intention for marriage. Not that you, married couple, can be happy. Not that you can enjoy sex legitimately. Those are byproducts. Happiness and sexual fulfillment is a byproduct. The end game is that you can have godly offspring, godly children, raise godly children. So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. God's goal for parenting is not for parents to merely make their children happy, but to help them become godly. That's all we have time for tonight. If you'd like a CD copy or premium download of tonight's discussion, please go to our website, findingtruthmatters.org and select The Problem of Children from our online store. As we've heard tonight, children are a heritage from God. And as adults, we have a great responsibility to train those children in our sphere of influence, whether as their parents or as other key adults in a child's life. It's a tough gig, but God demonstrated some valuable principles for us to learn from. Remember that no matter what problems you're facing or what mistakes you've made, you can put your trust in the sovereign God. More from Dr. Corbett next week. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.